Oh, it is Matt Mosley. The Matt Mosley Show. And uh, joined now by Elliot Coffey. And Elliot's been in the film room. He's been delivering some of that material. It's so good, they put it behind a paywall. People, people pay for this. Elliot, if they try, if we try to do that, I, I'm, I fear people would not commit and pay to hear Mosley. So, but I, I, I do think you do offer some rare insight. How are things uh, going today? And and uh, what do you what do you choose in the film room after a uh, another gut wrenching loss? <laughs> well, um, thank you. First off, for, for your kind words about my insight, I, I think sometimes it's good, sometimes it could be better. But um, after a game like this, I, I used to split it evenly like four, or sometimes I would go four four good plays, four bad plays. Sometimes I would go like six good, two bad. Sometimes I'd go six bad, two good. I'm keeping it even at four and four. And so the thing about the game on Saturday is that as, as many opportunities as we had to win that game, U of H had as many opportunities to throw the game our way. And so it was a fairly difficult game to go back and rewatch. And I think anybody that watched it in person knows that going back and rewatching it was pretty tough. And so I picked four good plays. There was four things, you know, we had a couple turnovers that looked pretty good. We had some defensive things that we did well. And then of course that, that pesky two point conversion went on there too. So Baylor plus go check it out. It'll be published. I think tomorrow, but a little frustrating to watch it again, but uh, absolutely a learning opportunity for us. What did you see on that two-point conversion? Give us a little uh, a tease, a little bit of a teaser for what you'll be talking about. Did you see it – lo- it did look like over on that right side a bit of a hold uh, did occur. Uh, of course, you're not always going to get those things, especially with everything yeah. on the line and everybody's eyes, of course, were on that quarterback. So – you're, you're sometimes right. not going to get every call you want. But what stood out to you about, like, how the defense played that? Because I think it was demoralizing to watch Donovan Smith just kind of sashay in there. I mean, I, yeah. I I saw somebody say he wasn't touched. I think they may have touched him. But, boy, once he – once he if, if he was touched, he just kind of – he just zigged a little bit, and then he was on into the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I think the first thing is that it's frustrating that it got to that point, right. That we had to go into to overtime and, you know, even get to a situation. I mean, earlier on that drive, there was a second 15 where we gave up 20 yards and it helped them march down to the two yard line. Right. And they ran even before the two point conversion, they scored on a quarterback power. So it's not like they didn't run the quarterback to play before they gave you ample time to kind of prepare for it. And so, um, that's what I think was kind of tough for me to watch. It was the push of the offensive line versus our defensive line, right? Our, our tackle was in the end zone when Donovan Smith got there. It's never great. No. And the other thing too, is that you want to read run and pass. And you had some people that were in the box. I mean, they had numbers on us, right? They had five down linemen and they had Donovan Smith. We had four down linemen and we had a safety on one side and a linebacker on the other. And the linebacker read run the safety was getting run off on some route, didn't read run pass. And so we were outnumbered out of the gate. Somebody was going to have to win one-on-one and then tackle a six foot, 240 pound quarterback on the two yard line, right? That's those numbers just don't really bode well for that. And so 
it was a tough play. It was one that we knew was coming. I think you maybe cheat a little bit, try to get him to beat you with his arm. He hadn't really done that all day, right? A couple of the passes that he snuck in there, um, I don't think were anything spectacular on his end. It was just the opportunity was there. And so I would have, I think, in that situation, you probably want to think run first, play the run first. And if he can try to do something with his arm, he had already thrown two picks that day, right? One of them was in the red zone. And so I wouldn't have been as concerned with him passing the ball as I was with him running it. Yeah, I tell you, I, I am going to have to uh, watch that because I like when you look at these things. And, and you're a man who likes to put a good meme or GIF on, uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I feel like what, three days ago, I'm not even sure what this is connected to. Let's see, what happened three days ago? Was this connected to the, the Baylor game? When when who is this by the way Lilo and Stitch or something you know you know it's character? Stitch just the just the, <laughs> the eye the face grab <laughs> this must have been right after say. the game <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, Matt, I didn't know, I didn't know what else to say man it was it was it was, yeah. you know it's tough right it's you know and it's it's to the point mm-hmm. of the season now where like the you know the the games start to weigh on you a little bit heavier and. And the thing is, the kids are playing so hard, right? I know the coaches are coaching their butts off, and for whatever reason, it's just the train is off the track. And, you know, you don't use it as an opportunity to pick on any one person or any one coach. You just understand they're doing their best and they're frustrated. So that meme, in my opinion, was just like, yeah. ah, we're so close. We're so close. Yeah. So. yeah. Sometimes not so close in some of these games, obviously. Uh, to to have a chance – it sounds weird, but you, you may finish to make you may finish one in seven at home. I mean, that's as bad. I just don't think there's any of us that could have ever thought something like that could happen. And now it could happen. And, and Elliot, I mean, you just can't. It's hard to paint a picture where like coaches survive that. I mean, I, you know, we want them to. We don't want – I mean, you and I are not wired to be out there, you know, fire the coach, fire the coach. I mean, you can't really say that. I try not to. But, I mean, because we – and we both genuinely like Aranda. But, Elliot, you, it's hard to get in your mind how you, how you, how you run it back. Like, if they finish this thing 3-9, and nine, which obviously could happen. I, I guess what I'm wondering is, like, what do you need to see – in these last three games to maybe give some kind of hope and and maybe Coach Aranda could make an argument for getting a chance to come back next year? You know, uh, there aren't a whole lot of coaches not named Chris Kleiman and Lincoln Riley that have won Big 12 championships. And so I think no matter how difficult things are this year, Coach Aranda is still coached some dang good football. He's one of the brightest minds uh, in football, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. We know that's his forte. Um, I think the biggest thing we've looked for all season from these guys is just an identity that we, uh, that we like, right? Which historically has been, we ran the ball hard or you go way back to, to my day. So we spread you out and we were just faster than you right? Whatever it was that we wanted to hang our hat on, there was something that we were so dominant on that you couldn't stop it. And I think what we would really like to see as we head into this final stretch, which we can still qualify for a bowl game. I know it sounds crazy. And we've got a tough game in Manhattan where I never won. And I played with some pretty good football teams up there, but you still have a chance to play in a bowl game, right? I don't think you necessarily need to go to a bowl game this year for us to, you know, tip our hat and say, Hey, look, we turn this thing around, but it would be great to see, us identify who we want to be, right? Whether that's a downhill running football team or, 
giving Blake an opportunity to spin it or seeing the defense continue to create the turnovers that they had all season. Those, that's, those are the things that I'm looking for is those identities and one that we like, one that we associate with success. Do those safeties or corners or those young guys catching your eye enough? Uh, and then the question becomes, can you hold on to some of these guys that are freshmen and playing like they are? Now, some of them are going to get beat. I mean, Chateau may get a pick, and he may get burned for a touchdown. I mean, these things are going to happen, right, to young, to young DBs. But it does seem like that has been one area where yeah. at least you've seen – Okay, we got the makings of an identity, at least on the back end of this defense. Disappointment is you can't bring more pressure when you have, whether it be Gabe or TJ and some veterans, Randolph, you know, that have been there for a while. And quite honestly, it's just they're just not good on defense, right? They're not they don't stop the run. Uh, Sometimes they get blown off the ball. But I would say those corners and some of those young players, if you're going to look for hope, that that has to be the source of it right now. Yeah, I think I think it's been tough, right? Um, clearly, we've you know struggled getting pressure on the quarterback all season. I don't think that's anything that's come as a surprise. Now, I think the concern that maybe we look at is that there's a lot of senior leadership up front that you really wanted to have some success so that they can take this to the next level, right? Uh, but I do think that, yeah, it's going to be competitive trying to, that's, that's kind of in the, in the, in the age of the transfer portal and NIL, right? It's not just recruiting new players, but it's also maintaining your roster, right? The people that, you know, are playing lights out. Um, when you talk about Chateau Reed, he's played well. Caden Jenkins, I think is really the bell of the ball in the secondary. He's played lights out pretty much all season, right? As some that he goes out there, he doesn't win every time, but he's got a memory like a goldfish, right? For all of you Ted Lasso fans out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he lines back up and he plays hard every time. And so um, I, I think that that's got to be a major focus um, for the coaching staff this off season is really kind of retaining the guys that are really talented because in this day and age, if you play well, it doesn't matter if you're at Bama, doesn't matter if you're at LSU, doesn't matter if you're at Texas, doesn't matter if you're at Baylor, doesn't matter where you are. If somebody likes the way you play, they're going to throw money at you. They're going to throw a bag at you and try to and try to pull you and get you to play for them. So that's something that you know is coming for the top, top players. And um, that's something that you're absolutely going to have to be aware of because yeah, those are the kind of guys you're going to want to build your secondary on. And so, you know, my hope is that we do what we need to do to keep the town around and uh, do a great job of, of building, you know, a defensive roster around those guys. All right, Elliot Coffey joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESP in Central Texas. I tried to show my 16-year-old daughter, Ted Lasso, and I thought, man, it'll be kind of fun. I think she'll enjoy it. And not that she can't handle some of the stuff, but I, I'd forgotten, like, episode two, Episode three in that first season, a little bit crass, Elliot. There's some jokes in there, and there's some language. I'm like, whoa, I don't remember. I remember this being kind of a lighthearted show. There's some. It's so uh, feel good that you forget it. There's some. (laughs) They get in there a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's some stuff in there. I'm like, whoa, whoa. This is this is getting me. When you watch this Jeff Grimes offense, I mean, how limited do you think? He is just by the O-line, maybe, I mean, obviously Dawson has shown a little something at tailback, but maybe not having much. We thought the wide receivers were going to be okay. Don't really seem to be getting a ton of separation. Like, how limited is this offense? I mean, and, and how, that's tough to watch, isn't it, when you, when you just really can't get any form of a consistent run game, especially what that's when you were really good. 
Even last season when you were good and beat Oklahoma, yeah. what did you base it on? Right. You made them give up in a sense, right? You you ran over Oklahoma. And, well, they don't have that capability right now, it doesn't seem. Yeah. Um, I spent, after that Texas State game, I spent, I don't even know how much time, watching clinic tape on the wide zone. Even watching Mateos and Grimes talk about building an offensive scheme, falling in love with it, right? Running something that you've got the people to run. Just trying to get a grip on what I was seeing and what wasn't going well. And and what I can tell you is that historically, running offenses at Baylor, when we've had a lot of success, it's when we started out with the spread, right? Because I think it's easier for you to go and find fast guys around the state of Texas than it is to find dominant offensive linemen. And so I think once you find the speed and you build that offensive identity, then you start to bring in the guys up front that can really be dominant. Um, and guys that are, I mean, heck, we still got some offensive linemen playing on Sundays right now, right. Or in their sixth and seventh year. And yes. so when I look at our offensive uh, scheme, I know what they want to run. I see that the opportunity is there. We just haven't been able to execute you know, the way you want to. And so as of late, I think you've probably seen more of a spread look, right? You saw some of that quick game that you didn't, you would never have seen quick game last year. I don't think you saw quick game until six games into this year. And so, you know, it's, it's an ever changing kind of situation because you know, the scheme that they want to run, you know, the scheme that they love, you know, the scheme that they had success with, you know, it works. It's not like the scheme broke, right? but you have to understand the personnel that you have and what they can go out and do. And if it's not the wide zone, which requires a a whole lot of pre-snap reads by the offense, it's a whole lot of decisions that the offensive line needs to make. It's a great communication between the running back and the offensive line, whether he hits it wide or he hits the alley. And so there's just a lot that I think is going on pre-snap that guys have to think about. And when you maybe aren't having the type of, I don't know how to best put this, Matt. When you're not having the type of success you want blocking defensive players, right? Mm-hmm. It gets all the worse. It gets all the more difficult, I think, because you have so many decisions to make pre-snap. So I, I, I know what they want to run. We saw it in 2021, right? It was fantastic in 2021. Um, it just doesn't look and feel the same. Really, I guess since the OU game last year, it hasn't looked or felt, felt the same since well, then. I mean, they had a different quarterback, didn't they, running it? And uh, they chose to go a different direction, and you can't help but think every once in a while, well, if this guy – I mean, I know people do think that from time to time. I know why they chose Blake, uh, because of the future and his ability to do some things in the passing game. But um, maybe this has made some people appreciate some of the things Gary did, especially in the run game, being a threat, almost like what we saw from Donovan uh, the other day. And, you know – it's just interesting, Art and Rule and Aranda, even early on, they would bring in these four stars, right? And and not everybody was a four star, but a few. And it was a good mix of like three and four stars and everything. So I, I don't know, people want to get mad and go, it's not the recruiting. The recruiting rankings are all the same. To which I say, well, not really. They might look all the same, but if you can't get a quarterback in 2022 and you lose one in 2023, saying, that group is 40th, and the group before them was 37th, isn't the same. You're not, you're not landing quarterbacks on an annual basis. Everybody's like, well, it's just a portal. You can go get somebody in the portal. Anyway, there's a lot there, uh, Elliot, and um, I, uh, I really appreciate your time. Love seeing you in the press box. You and I learned our lesson. We, we've tried to lightly applaud some people over the years and been chastised, 
but uh, always, uh, always great to run into you. And I really appreciate you being on. Yeah, no, I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity, big fan of what you're doing down there in, in Waco and, and, and glad that we have you, uh, have you around, man. You're a great addition to the group. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we, I may have you on more often if you'll close with things like that. Okay. <laughs> I, kinda, I don't get that much affirmation, so I really appreciate it. Thank you, Elliot. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Talk to you. Bye. Okay. Elliot Coffee. There he is. Former Baylor. Great. Played safety. Really was a, a favorite of mine back in the day and uh, with art and that gang. And, but, uh, but you still does a great job for Baylor and uh, represents us very well and just a um, just really brings some good insight and analysis